You can meet me in Genesis chapter 16, uh, verses 1 through 13. Um, in this moment, I don't like technology because none of my notes are pulling up. So I share that with you. If my sermon is subpar, it's because it's off the dome this morning, but Jesus is faithful. Meet me in Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 through 13, I believe, because Jesus shows up when iPads and iPhones don't. Um, no swipe against Apple is probably my fault somewhere, just so my uh, Samsung people don't get too happy. Um, Let's read out of Genesis 16, verses 1 through 13. It says this, Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said to Abraham, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant, that it may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarah. So after Abraham had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abraham's father, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abraham, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she, she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarah said to Abraham, May the wrong done to me be on you. And gave my servant to your, I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abraham said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. And the angel of the Lord found her by the spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, why have you come from, or where have you come from, and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Emmanuel, because the Lord has listened to your afflictions. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him, and he shall dwell over and against all his kinsmen. So she shall call the name of the Lord, who spoke to her. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God of seeing. There's our series. Come and see. For she said, truly here I have seen him who looks after me. I'll talk to you about three things this morning. Number one, when helping hurts. When helping God hurts. Number two, apathetic fathers. Number three, God sees mom. 
God sees moms. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your grace and your goodness. Thank you for who you are and what you've done. Thank you for what you're doing in this place. We pray that the Holy Spirit amidst distractions, amidst, uh, against missteps and everything else, speak to us, O oh God. Your people need to hear your voice. So Lord, we pray that you would do that. We pray that you would help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I may need some help. I may need some help there. When helping God hurts. When helping God hurts. We see here in our text, we see here in our text that Sarah and Abraham had been married for quite some time. Uh, they had been dwelling in the land of Canaan for about 10 years. And God has been promising Abraham that he was going to make him a nation uh, from his loins, that he was going to raise him up to be a father of many, 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 many people, that God was going to do this work in Abraham. But to this point, nothing has happened. Abraham and Sarah have been married for quite some years, still no child, still waiting to conceive. Got this promise from God that God has affirmed in Abraham over and over and over again. As a matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 15, we see God in, in demonstrative ways reminding Abraham of his covenant that I am going to bless all the nations of the earth through you. And if I made a promise that it's going to be through your seed, it's going to be through your seed. But how many know sometimes in waiting on God, we get impatient? We get impatient. And some of us, if, if you're honest this morning, this is you. You, 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 you rode up to church, and, and truth be told, you're here. Praise God. Glad that you're here. But some of you, if you'll be honest, you're, you're, you're tired of waiting on him to do what he said he was going to do. And this is where our text find us. It finds us looking at Sarah, tired of waiting on the Lord. So she comes up with the plan when helping God hurts. What's her plan? Sarah says, I got this handmaid named Hagar. While they were in Egypt, Sarah uh, 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 took Hagar to be her servant. So she has this, 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 this woman with her. She's no doubt probably younger than Sarah. So what's Sarah's plan? Sarah's plan is she's going to take Hagar and she's going to try to help God bring about his promises by giving Hagar to Abraham. Now some of y'all will say, where in the world did she get that plan? I, I, in, in, in my prep this week, I wanted to name this part Desperate Housewives. Because that's a little bit closer to us. This, this is some wild stuff that's happening. You, you just going to give another woman to your man. And somebody said, well, well, Rodney, that was kind of what was happening in the culture. And that's true. In various cultures, if, if you could not have a child and you had enough means uh, 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 to have servants, some women would give their servants to their husbands to bring about a child, and then they would raise that child as their own. So it was happening in that culture. 
not too far-fetched from what happens in this culture. But that's not what God said. And here's what makes the people of God distinctively different. We don't just look in the newspaper or CNN or, or Fox or MSNBC to get our cadence for life. We don't just look at what's popular on social media or TMZ or what are the stars doing. Okay, I'm going to do that. That's not how we get our trajectory. As Christians, we go to the text and we say, what did God say? The text, the Bible is the filter in which we see our lives. And so we see far before Genesis 16, although Genesis is the first, first book of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, Jesus says, or God says, and Jesus says, for this reason shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two, not the three, not the four, not the five, not the side piece, not the plan B, the two shall become one flesh. So that's right. I don't care what folks say. We're going to stand on the book. That's right. I don't care what the, well, well you know, we're you know, we a man. God know I'm a man. God know what my needs would be. He knows sometimes I would have to step outside of my marriage to get my needs. The devil is a liar. We call that sin. Let's just call it common language. The book says two people for life, male and female. Amen. So, what Sarah does, although it's culturally in step with the culture, it is out of bounds with God. It's sin. She's trying to do whatever it takes to get what she wants. Now, Sarah and Abraham have been married for some time, and they did not have a baby. And I would just assume uh, that Sarah had come to terms with this at some point in her life. She's somewhere around uh, 80 or 90 years old now, or, or, or yeah, uh, maybe 70 or 80 years old now. And I just think Sarah had come to a point in her life where she said, you know what? The kids thing, it ain't happening. I'm cool. I'm fine. It is what it is. Me and Abraham are good. We got some resources. We're fine. But then God starts talking about he's going to make Abraham a great father. That, that through him, all the nations are going to be blessed. He told Abraham, look up at the sky. If you can count the stars in the sky, that's how many kids you're going to have. going to be your offspring. Takes him on the shore and says, if you can count the sand on the shore, that's what your offspring is going to be look, looking like. So here's Sarah, been barren all her marriage. Now y'all talking about children. Y'all know how it is. When you ain't thinking about something, but then somebody else starts talking about something, and now you're thinking about something, it's like uh, you, 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 you fine with your car. Your car gets you from point A to point B. You ain't got no problems with your car. Your car's running. It's not the perfect car, it's, but, but, but it, it, it does the job. Then all of a sudden, your best friend gets a new car. And you start asking questions. Now, your car paid off. You, 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 you good. You ain't got no payment. But then they roll up in their new car. You start playing in their car. You start playing with the little gadgets on the console of their car. You may ride in their car. Now, all of a sudden, you weren't thinking about it, but all of a sudden, there's this desire to get a new car. Now, you cloak that desire in, 
well, I don't know how long this car going to last. We just got to think about the future. Or, you know, whatever it is. This can be in relationships. You, 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 you weren't in a relationship, but it was, it was fine. It was you and Jesus, and all of a sudden, your, your, your good friend get in a relationship. And now you're thinking, I got to bust a move by any means necessary. Because I ain't, I, this ain't going to work. It's amazing how when we hear stuff around us, it helps shift our desire. And now Sarah, who may not have been thinking about a child, is now obsessed with one. So much so that she devises a plan to let another woman be with her husband. Now, y'all got to help me here with it. I know it's Mother Day, but help me. How'd that work? Oh, man, I just... And so what does she do? She goes to her husband. She tells Abraham the plan. Abraham's there, father of faith. Father of three major world religions. Abraham, father Abraham. I'll sacrifice my child for you. That Abraham. I'll chase out the enemy for you. That Abraham who gives a tithe of his good to the priest Melchizedek. This, this, this emblem of faith. She goes with this crazy plan, and you could just see Abraham chilling, about to be like, woman, what is wrong with you? She rolls out that plan, and Abraham says, let me get this straight. You want me to be with your servant, Hagar, younger than you, to help God's plan? Well, if that's the way you want it, I guess I got to <laughs> do what I got to do. I mean, make sure I'm serving my wife well. You know, I just want to, got to keep peace in the home. I don't want no issue. Why do I say that? Here's why. Hear me. The best of men can be apathetic men. In one area or another, the best of men who shine in certain arenas can be failing miserably in another. The people we look up to and put on pedestals because of their knowledge or their gifting or their intellect, whatever it is, can be failing miserably in another area. Rodney, why is that? It's called sin. The scripture says, for all, not some, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And here you see this Abraham fell miserably as his wife brings this plan to him. You know what it reminds me of? Adam in the garden. Adam is in the garden. Eve comes, have taken of the fruit, and is bringing it to Adam. In a similar way, Sarah takes Hagar and brings her to Abraham. And, and where, 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 where Adam should have said, no, you, you, you know what God said. We can't go there. We can't do that. We can't partake in it. That's not his plan for us. He just consents. In the same way Abraham does. I know this is Mother's Day, but I want to challenge men. Don't be apathetic as it relates to your family. There's too much at risk. This apathetic decision by Abraham has 
huge implications. And so what happened? He consents. He takes her on as a wife. Hear that? She gets pregnant. And all of a sudden, she now looks on Sarah like, hmm, look what I have. Your man and a baby. She looks on Sarah with contempt. Now let's be clear on who Hagar is. Hagar is her servant. Hagar can represent some, uh, uh, someone that has been through some type of um, challenge, uh, oppression, thought less than. And Sarah was kind of the, the, the person that lord over her, if you will. And now she has something that Sarah doesn't have. So what does she do? She chooses to now erect who she is on her seed. She erects her identity on her motherhood because her motherhood gives her one up on her master. So now I can look at you with contempt because I got something that you don't have. Mothers, be careful not to erect who you are on your children. Children are amazing blessing. They are horrible idols. And, and we're in a church, and, you know, we got, we got babies, right? We're dedicating babies, and, man, I don't even know how many kids are back there this week. There's a bunch of kids come uh, and, and, and get poured into, and we're so thankful for the opportunity to pour into kids. But we also got to think about our kids are aging, and they're getting older. And they're becoming more and more self-sufficient every day. Some of us have older children and, and teenage children and adult children. And the same thing applies with all of that, right? Don't build the altar on your children because they are an amazing blessing, but they are a horrible idol. They will disappoint you every time. The problem with idols is that they over-promise and under-deliver. And if your conversations with your children sound more like, what did you do or what are you doing, then who are you being and where are you resting? You could be looking at your children for their performance and not innately who they are. Don't build your idols on your children. See, not only is Sarah struggling with uh, idolatry and identity because she's now looking for children to validate her, so is Hagar. Two women, same idol. And so where do we go from here? As she treats Sarah with contempt, what happens next? Sarah starts treating her harshly. Sarah isn't so much mad at Hagar as Sarah is mad at her decisions. I heard this quote somewhere, hopefully I get it. It says, when your kids are young, um, they look like you. As you get older, you look like your decisions. Sarah isn't so much mad at Hagar, she's mad about 
decisions that she made. So much so, now she's beefing with her husband. This is all your fault. Sound familiar? For some of y'all, that was this morning. Brings tension into the home. So what does Hagar do? She's pregnant. She's feeling this, this, this harsh treatment from Sarah. Sarah goes to Abraham. This is one of the cold, cold-blooded things in Scripture. Look what Abraham, Father Abraham says. Your servant is in your power. Do what you will with her. Not my wife, your servant. We got to be, women, you got to be so careful. Let me talk to just my my, my single women for a minute. You got to be so careful on the man you choose. See, while you still got some power and authority, women, you you can choose. Ain't nobody put no gun to your head. You can choose. Praise God for a choice. Amen, somebody. I ain't get enough there. Because when you get married, ain't ain't much else for you to choose. Amen? It's amazing how apathetic Abraham is about the whole thing. And I think when she hears that, she just says, I had enough. Hagar takes off, and she starts going. She, she, she takes the way of Shur, which is the wilderness that she's traveling by, and Shur is on the way to Egypt. Remember, Hagar is from Egypt. Uh, some would say Hagar is on her way back home. She had enough of it. I'll figure it out when I get home. I'm going to go back home. I'm going to go back to my mama. My mama going to help me. We're going to raise this baby together. We're going to make it work. I ain't got time for this. I know I married a man, and I know maybe I was supposed to stay with him because I'm married, but look how they treat me. They ain't treat me good. I'm out. I ain't got time. I ain't going to be going through this with Sarah every day. It ain't happening. I'm going. I'm out. I'm gone. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be treated this way. And she has to be feeling pain and hardship, right? She has to be feeling like she's alone in this. The word that screams as I read that text is the word alone. Because now she's a single mom in between where she's been and where she's going, full of questions and, and doubts. And she got to be feeling alone. And I don't care if, 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 you're, if, if you're a single mom here, if you're, if you're married, what have you. Listen, if you're a mom, you feel alone. Married or not, it, it, it don't matter. There are times as a mother that, that you feel by yourself. And what breaks into the text, and I love what happens next, the Bible says, and the angel of the Lord found her. God sees you, Mom. The angel of the Lord found where she was. She is traveling from, from, from Canaan to Egypt, passing through a wilderness at a spring in an area called Shur, and surely God can find 
exactly where she is. I love that about the Lord because sometimes he just comes and find me where I am. I, when, when he saved me, I wasn't looking for him, but he was looking for me. He came where I was and he found me. And mom, listen to me. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly how frustrated you are. He knows exactly how tired you are. He knows exactly how joyful you are. He's pinpoint you with incredible accuracy. God finds us while we're on the run. I'm talking to moms in here. You, if, 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 if I pulled up your spiritual journey on the screen and said, show me your prayer life. Show me your time in God's word. Show me your fasting and witnessing. You wouldn't want me to put that on the screen. And you're here this morning, but truth be told, you're not really seeking God. Amen. But in the midst of your apathy, he's seeking you. Because he's a good, good father like that. And the logical response to the God that has sought you is for you to lay yourself open before him and surrender to his lordship. Listen, for some of you, you don't need to keep mothering like this without Jesus. It's, it's foolishness. Your next step needs to be that of surrender. And at the end of this service, we'll provide time for, for, for us to pray for you and to encourage you. If you don't know who Jesus is, and, or, or, or maybe you've gone to church, but you don't understand the Jesus of the church, we want to pray over you this morning. Because even on the run, he finds her. That's, that's good news to me. But then we've got to look at who finds her. The Bible says it's the angel of the Lord. Well, who is the angel of the Lord? When the Bible uses this term, angel of the Lord, uh, it, 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 it often has some commonality in what's happening in the conversation between the angel and the people. Here's one of the common things that's happening. This, this angel is sometimes appearing with so much um, uh, glory that the people respond this way. They would say, I don't think we're supposed to keep living after we saw this. One of the things that would happen is they would engage the angel of the Lord is the angel of the Lord would not speak about God in some other person. He would speak about God through the first person. So he would identify himself as God as he's talking to these people. And here what we have here with the angel of the Lord is really a pre-incarnated Christ. It is Christ showing up before Bethlehem. It is Christ showing up in the Old Testament. From the book of Genesis, he's showing up. But what, what does that mean for us? What does, that, what does that mean for us? Jesus met this woman in the wilderness. The same way in John chapter 4, the incarnated Christ met that woman at the well. If you're a woman in here this morning, what's important for you to understand is that God don't have to talk through a man to talk to you. He wants to talk directly to you. 
He wants that interchange. You see, this is a job for Jesus. And look what he says. He poses two questions. Number one, uh, where you been, where you going? It's a great question. In other words, tell me your life. Where have you been, your past? I know where you are now, but where are you going? Great questions. She says, I am fleeing from my mistress who's treated me harshly. She tells the angel of the Lord her past and what brings her to that predicament, but she does not say where she's going. Are you in the text? She, she, she shows, she talks about her past and what happened to her, but she does not state where she's going. Now, why doesn't she state that? I think because she honestly, she don't know. When you're going through trauma, all you know is I got to get out of there. Where are you going? I ain't figure all that out yet. But I'll figure it out as I go. Now, the words the angel says are going to shock us, but on further investigation, it's powerful. The angel says, you need to return and submit to her. Okay, just want to make sure I had it right. Verse 9 is the kind of verse that adds a couple hours to sermon prep. Let me get this straight. You want me to return and submit to her? See, that's why I don't do that God stuff. This kind of faith is such a oppressive faith. It is such a faith that tries to limit who I am and stop who I can become. It's a it's a relegated faith. That's why I don't have re, re, what return after I just told you I suffered under her leadership. You tell me to return to that. But you, I'm talking about you here. You already said you'll do it. You in the audience, you said you'll do it this morning. You don't remember. When you sung, you are infinite, you're the ultimate, we trust you, we trust you, for you are God, sing it with me, you never, we, no you don't. We, we sing our best lies. Because you think God is like that dude or your dad or your brother. He, he's not faithful. He talk a good game, but he don't know me. He, he says he's strong, but he ain't that powerful. He says he's wise, but he don't know that much. He's missing some details, and that's why my prayers are more like updates. Because I just need him to do what I need him to do when I need him to do it. You see, God says he's sovereign. I'm really sovereign. 
Now, I know this is hard. Listen, I've wrestled with this, and this is hard to say to you on a Mother's Day, but can I say to you, God is sovereign. He's, he is fully in control, and it is not my job as a preacher to shield you from the sovereignty of God. He's sovereign. He does what he wills. He doesn't check with a council to make sure it's okay. He don't need approval from the board. He's sovereign. He's already looked over the landscape of your life and has looked at every small minutious of your life and every intricate detail, and he's already calculated everything, knows everything, and he's sovereign when he makes his decision. When he asks you to do something, he's already counted the cost. He's sovereign. So it's not like somebody else saying, well, girl, I think you should just go back to him. No, that's not what this is. This is not advice. You're not sitting with a counselor. You're talking to the creator. See, some of y'all still not with me at school. I'm going to work you just a little bit more, then I'm going to move on. Some of y'all were saying, well, if it was me, I know what she did, but if it was me, let me not put that voice on. Let me put on my, 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 my you know, my, my swag. I'm just, uh, uh, you know, if, it, if it's me, you know, if it's, if it's me, I just don't think I could have done that. I think I would have given the angel some other, you know, I would have showed him my reasoning ability. I would have helped him understand how I got to the point that I'm going back home. I ain't going back to that. Beloved, if you were talking to an angel, you wouldn't say none of that. If you're seeing the glory of God before you, shielded in the form of an angel, the pre-incarnated Christ, you're saying, you're greater than I am. And beloved, that's the same thing he wants to do to you, mom, when you're praying. And that kid has danced on your last nerves. And you don't just want to chastise him, you want to just throw him somewhere for a long time. He still wants you to know, I got a gift of patience that I'm trying to give you that you can't get in comfort. When, 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 you're, when your children are, are to the age where they're reasoning against you and they're, 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 they're using their intellect from their schools against you, you got to be confident in who you are not hurt so much by what they say that you go into a shell and don't come out for days. But confident in the woman of God, God's called you to be, how he has perfectly equipped you for the task and given you everything you need to stand in boldness and be the mom he's called you to be in the life of that child and find your security, not in what they say, but who Christ is and what Christ has done. truth is, we let our kids run the show too much. We ask too many questions. I'm sorry, when I was growing up, you just, what do you guys want to do today? What? My dad never asked me that. Let me move on. I don't want to lose nobody. I'm already in the tough text. He says to her, return. Okay. All right. Cool. If you want me to return, tell me why. Good news I will surely multiply your offspring. 
so that they cannot be numbered. Here's what she has to be deducing. Hold up. I thought Abraham was going to have offspring that he couldn't, that he couldn't count, this multitude. Wait a minute. Are you saying that the same kind of multiplication that's happening with Abraham and Sarah will happen with me? In other words, that, that your seed is going to be blessed to the glory of God, used to the glory of God? And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant, and you shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, because Ishmael means that the Lord has listened to your afflictions. He saw you where you are, listening to what you are, and God is going to work out a greater plan. You see, this Ishmael will grow and his seed will multiply. And God would use Isaac's seed and Ishmael's seed all to point to a greater seed that is coming. It is not just about family lineage. It's about a greater picture of a family that God is painting. It's the picture of the family that comes into his family through his perfect seed, Jesus. It is through that seed, Jesus, that, that Jews will come in, that, that, that uh, Gentiles will come in, that all kind of people will come into a relationship with God through Jesus by faith alone, not your heritage, genealogy culture, race. No, through faith in Christ, you'll come in. She called the name. She is the first person in all of Scripture to give a name to God. She says, you are a God of seeing. Truly, here I have Truly here, I have seen him who looks after me. His plan, his purpose, his ways are greater. And when we come to respect his sovereignty, we can trust his directives. As you walk with Jesus, truth is, there'll be some hard things he calls you to do. There'll be some hard things he'll call you to do in the walk of following Jesus. But here's what you got to remember. He can be trusted. He can be trusted. He can be trusted with your life. He can be trusted with your children. God can be trusted. Amen? Everyone standing. Prayer team, would you come?